Hey everyone, welcome to Minimally Millennial. I'm Shelby. And I'm JP. This is a podcast for young millennials who are navigating their way through adulthood for the first time. If you're like us and have days where you ask yourself, how did I get here? And what am I supposed to do next? Then you're in the right place. So follow us along as we uncover the things they didn't teach us in school, including everything from how to write a check to how to be a boss babe. Together, we will unlock the secrets of adulting and try to answer the question, why did nobody tell me this shit? Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Minimally Millennial. This is episode three. Today, we are going to be talking about another highly requested topic from our listeners about first jobs. So today we're going to be covering some expectations um, of our first job, the reality of that first job versus the expectations. And then we're going to throw a little bit of numbers at you, some statistics. But to get started, JP is going to start us off with our millennial moment of the week. All right. So we got a lot of feedback from listeners and super excited. One, you know, topic suggestions, but also moments that they've categorize himself as a millennial. So we thought it would be cute to have an M&M moment uh, from our listener each week. And this week, our first listener's M&M moments are from our good friend, Marie. And she wants to tell y'all, you should not run your toaster oven and microwave at the same time in the same room because it will flip your breaker. She just learned this last week. I just learned it when she told us. <laughs> Why did nobody tell us this shit? I feel like I had a couple today, a couple shameful ones about my car that I can't admit on the podcast because my grandfather listens and about an oil change that needs to take place. <laughs> so if you guys ever find yourself having a moment like that, please feel free to DM us on Instagram. We want to hear about it. We want to share about it on the podcast because that's hilarious. At least it wasn't a fork in the microwave. I did have to tell a few friends that in the past few years, and I have no idea how they didn't know it. I put the Chick-fil-A wrapper for sandwich in the microwave, caught that bad boy on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's tinfoil. Well, the tinfoil's on the inside. I didn't see it. <laughs> so we're going to be starting off talking about our expectations, what we thought our life was going to be like when we first started our, our job right out of school. And Shelby has a, a little bit of a different experience than I do. Um, so we, we just want to both talk about our experiences before we talked about what reality was really like. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> what JP means by us having a little bit different experience is I was in school for a little bit longer. I just started my first full-time job about six months ago. My expectations of that first job was what I saw in the movies, which saying it out loud and writing it down in our show notes sounds so stupid, but I was prepared for, you know, you clock in, you clock out, you, you know, get eight hours of sleep. You go to the gym after work. You know, you don't have to answer your work calls as soon as you clock out because you're clocked out. Um, I was expecting you to be friends with all of your coworkers to have like happy hours <laughs> and Christmas parties. I only got to go to one Christmas party and I did win the ugly sweater contest though. That's my, that's my legacy. And I'll probably never get to go to another one again because of the pandemic, but I was prepared for this tightly packaged little bow. I was expecting that school fully prepared me, um, that when I went into work, I was going to know what I was doing and feel good about it. And that my boss is going to love me. And I was going to get very minimal bad feedback. And I was going to understand what all my benefits meant. I was going to feel super fulfilled with my salary. Um, literally everything you would see in a millennial age movie about a corporate job is what I thought my first job was going to be. 
We don't even work in the corporate world, which is funny. I know. Unsure how that got implanted in my brain, but <laughs> that was the picture. Yeah. Healthcare people don't have work like Christmas parties. That's the saddest thing to me. All I want in my job is to have a Christmas party. I, I think I share a lot of the same expectations. I tell everyone, and I've told everyone from the get-go that I got my dream job right out of grad school. Definitely viewed it as like the final checkbox. You know, this is what mm-hmm. I have been working my whole life for, all of school. I think it's like, hey, look, Ma, I made it. Like, I'm here. I'm on top of the world. This is everything I dreamed of. And with that comes, you know, that everything else comes easy now because you get a paycheck. And once you get a paycheck, it's the Mm -hmm. most money you've ever seen before. And so that means you can do whatever you want and money's not a stressor. And then I did, it's similar to what you're elaborating on for your coworkers to be your best friends. I think that's definitely something you expect, essentially because where every other chapter you are, you have in your life, you're just friends with the people that you're doing all things with, whether it's on the sports teams, like in the classroom, y'all are all going through the same life chapter experience. So when you go into the office, I kind of expected everyone to, I think, be the same age as me and going through the same stuff. So that that meant that we would be friends. I felt like it was going to be like being in the college dorm, but at a workplace. Did you get an orientation? Girl, that was one day online. And they basically Uh-oh. went over how to clean oh, that's up. That's right. Yeah, I mean, did, for, for, for context, I work at a hospital. So <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that because thought maybe you were um, working for Breaking Bad or something. That's my other side hustle. <laughs> Maybe I do need another side also because I think my biggest expectation that, you know, we'll talk about in a minute that it was a reality check for me was the paycheck. I know we mentioned it, but I had this expectation that you're right. I was going to get this paycheck. It was going to be easier um, because we had been making grad school, college money, a hundred dollars here and there to cover part of your rent or, you know, groceries for the week. And I was like, I'm going to have a steady paycheck. This is going to be what I needed. It was going to beef up my savings account. I remember seeing how much PTO and I was like, this is going to be great. I'll take trips all the time. I don't have uh, much more to say about like, as far as my expectation, I think this job was everything I, I, I expected it to be. I was, I walked into a beautiful team of people and we got nine months of awesome work before COVID changed everything. My expectation versus reality was really differing was my life outside of work. We'll go into a little bit more detail about how to manage that later in this episode. So with all that being said, and our expectations, which I'm sure you could hear in our voice, they were not what reality (laughs) was when we got to that first job. And from all the conversations I feel like we've had with friends, it's been the same for everyone. Maybe their expectations weren't the same, but the reality of it was the same. As I was thinking about this topic, realizing that my life wasn't work, essentially, was like I could not consume my life with just my job. I was the only one that was really going to stop myself from overworking. There wasn't anyone there holding me accountable. There wasn't anyone grading me, like keeping a score. Like I really felt like, oh, this is like, this is my life. I'm in control of how my time is being spent. It really consumes you. And there's no one there to tell you like, oh, you need to be better. Or this is where you can try to improve and balance yourself a little bit more. Um, And I think that was the biggest, I guess, reality check for me, because I'm such a, I'm already a pretty intrinsically motivated individual. Um, but it's reminding myself that work isn't my world. That was not the question you were asking, but that was what I came up with. <laughs> no, I feel like that answered the question I was asking. I think it's important too to like let listeners know that part of our differences in our work is 
JP's a big boss. She's a big boss lady. Because as you were talking, I was like, wait, somebody looks over my shoulder and tells me what I can be doing better. But (laughs) it's because you're a boss. And one thing that was actually, so we're both athletic trainers and working in healthcare. And I think I had a reminder of the reality check of what the real world is like versus school. Oh, reminded over and over again, like everything is not going to show up like the textbook. It's not going to say this is a like every it's a clean break and it's a that means it's a fracture and you'll be able to know right away. But life is actually a lot harder than uh school. Life is way harder than school. I think that was my biggest reality check is when two years in I did an internship year, two years in a master's degree, and I did a specialty residency year, and I worked in my first job and cried for the first three months because oh. I had no life. I had no idea. I felt like what I was doing, and I had trained specifically for this job. It was just so much harder. People ex- expect a lot of you and you're like, like, wait, I just got here. Why are you asking? What do you, what do you mean? I, I got to do that. I think my biggest reality check was when I was like, school did not teach me everything I thought I was supposed to know. And there was a lot more on the job training that has happened. And the more I got that training, you know, I'm not crying and hating my job now, but the first three months I was miserable. I thought that I was going to quit because it was really hard. I couldn't keep up. I was working insane hours, five days a week, 12, 13, 14 hours a day. Um, and it's gotten a lot better, but that quality of life was not there. So my biggest reality check was I did not know everything I thought I was going to. School gave me a, almost a false sense of confidence. It gave me a lot of background information, but it gave me almost a false sense of confidence. And the biggest crash was that you can't, you're not always going to have the energy to do anything when you get home from work. That was a big yeah. thing too for me, that energy. I didn't think about how much School takes energy out of you. It does, but work takes such a different level of energy that I was not prepared for. But you're using those critical thinking skills. You're thinking for yourself. Well, in in our job settings, like rather than I think in school, you you have like an agenda. You know what you're doing. You're working towards getting that A in the class. You're working towards passing that clinical exam. You like have this goal and vision. Like you're saying, that mental exhaustion I think comes at the day because at the end of the day, because there's more on the line. I think about that a lot. More on the line. Yeah. There's um, more on the line than like a grade. It's like, oh, I continuously mess up or can't be present. That's my job. It's my house. That's my food. Right. It's not just, oh, I messed up today. I'm going to get a B or C. I liked what you said about showing up and like they teaching you about your work. Like you still had to learn at your job mm-hmm. um, or about your job. Yeah. Because I think like although we're athletic trainers and we had very specific skill sets taught to us in school, there are a lot of people who have a way different education plan and it's a lot more broad. And therefore, when they get to their job, you're learning. They're like, yeah, you have a like a engineering degree where you learned how to be do engineering based off the way your teachers taught it to you. But you can be an engineer in so many different settings. And now you have to learn how to ha- how to do this job, even though you already know how to be an engineer. Yes, that is a huge on the job training was such a big, a big thing that I know what I'm doing. I'm good at this job. And then it was a big reality check when I was like, nope. And that's I gotta, okay. I have to learn to be good at this job. Yeah. And nobody tells you that this is the next phase of learning. It's not the end. Like I said, wh- where I kind of expected it's a checkbox. I've arrived. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, shoot, no, there is um there's a lot more that I don't know. I had a mentor one time last year in residency tell me, you know, school pushes you to learn and pushes you to be better. Once you're out of school, that learning and that growth comes from you. Nobody can make you do it. But if you want to be better and you want to stay satisfied in what you're doing, never stop learning, never stop being a student and learning about your job and learning how to be successful in it and learning what's going to make you satisfied in that job. Mm, Yeah. The biggest things I feel like I ever learned from this job is that you have to keep learning. You have to be adaptable and you have to be able 
to push forward and change even in the face of adversity, such as a bad review from a boss or a hard day at work or a screw up. Those are mentally hard to push past at that first job because I think all of us go into it wanting to be good at the job, successful. Yeah. And I also think that I know I keep reiterating it, but that your job is not your work. So you also have all these things going on outside of your job and you can't, those aren't excuses for why you can't come to work or why you didn't give something to your boss. Didn't like we, everyone has something going on outside of work and you have to learn how to time manage balance. I'm like, I don't even know how the people do it with children because I can barely just take care of myself and my dog. (laughs) Same. There's no, you know, my dog ain't my homework excuse. And I think you talk a lot and I totally agree about how you're, you know, with the work-life balance of making sure that, you know, you have other things going on outside of work and work is not your life. But I think a big shift for me, um, especially in my setting, when I work with a small team every day, I was like, man, I see you guys more than anyone else in my life. Mm. So the level of communication and emotional maturity that comes from having that kind of dynamic relationship was a shift. Than just seeing your professors once a week, you know, supervisors in a grad position, meet with them once every couple of weeks or a month is a different relationship, at least from my aspect. Yeah, different relationship. That's definitely a key point. And I think that that I don't know how much we touched on it uh, in the friendship episode, but I think important reminder that your f- coworkers are not going to be your best friends, even though you might be spending more time with them than your best friends or your family. They see a different side of you. There was something you also said um, about that made me think of some of the stats we had pulled up. And the first one I want to share with y'all. 47% of millennials in the workforce wish they had chosen a different career path. I read this and I was shook. As much as I love my job those first three months, I was literally like, that's it. I'm out. I can't do it anymore. Right. I think it it also plays into another one of the stats we found, which was 21% of millennials switched jobs within the last year and about 62% are open to a job switch. Because how can you expect someone to pick something that they want to do from the age of your mid twenties, when you finish up school till you're 65, like you shouldn't be the same person that whole time. The fact that it's expected of you to do that same job is mind baffling. I don't think it's something we brought up in our notes, but something I'm remembering as you like read off those stats is how many friends I know that have wanted to switch careers but felt guilty for doing so because of how much money and time they dedicated to this career in college. Mm. I have so many people to say, but I spent so many years on my degree in this, it would be a quote unquote waste of money to change now. And I think that's something new with a lot of our millennials and a lot of people our age, you know, being in a high college rate that you're not even picking a career that you want to do at 25. Sometimes you're picking into 18, right? That's a lot of pressure for a kid. And then to spend all this time and money Maybe you had help, maybe you didn't. And then to come out and say, oh crap, I may have messed up. Right. (laughs) I know a lot of people that have said that and they won't leave their jobs or find something that gives them more satisfaction because they feel like they would have wasted time and money. Right. And not everybody has this luxury. Sometimes you have to have a job to pay the bills. It's not always a luxury to get to do something that you love. But I think in the day and age that we're at, if you have that luxury of being able to choose or diversify yourself or whatnot, we were both taught, you know, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. One, Amen. I wholeheartedly do believe that. But at the same time, every day at your job is not going to be cushy and wonderful and fun. Like some days are going to really suck. So all these things that we're going through now, especially all of us that are in our first job, in just a few years, we're going to be making up the majority of the workforce. And it gives us an opportunity 
to change, to make change and do big things as long as that opportunity is there. Yeah. We are the next, well, I mean, I don't even think next, you're already seeing it happen. The CEOs of new businesses, the founders, the directors and stuff like that. And your director or previous supervisor did it one way. Doesn't mean you have to either. And I think we, us as millennials have to uh, emphasize a lot of different change if we want to see it. You know, all the stats we read of horror about job hopping and moving around make our generation in the workforce sound bad. And I know that there's a lot of stigma on millennials in the workforce, but I like that these job, that these articles that we found and some of these stats that we found really showed that it's not necessarily that we're all just like skipping around jobs just because we feel like it. It's, you know, a lot of people are looking to try to do something meaningful. Yeah. But so all this being said, I think we have, we talked about what we expected our jobs to be like. We talked about the reality that we faced and finding out a lot of these st- stats that Shelby and I did the research on over this last week was it's eye-opening that, you know, not only are Shelby and I the only ones, but we know our friends aren't the only ones and our generation. <laughs> yeah. Our generation's not the only one. So that all being said, that was a great summary, JP. We really want to leave this episode with some action items. We got some good feedback, you know, in our friends episode with the action items that we put out there for you guys. So we wanted to do just some things that were passed along to us, some things that we saw about, you know, picking that first job, if you're unhappy, just some takeaway tips that were given to us and that we read about. So JP, do you want to start? We can kind of do a little, a little back and forth. So yeah, I would say this tip is more for the younger generation. So those college students who are looking for their first job um, and they want to know, enter that next chapter in life. It's really important to sit down and ask yourself the question, what is the work environment that you're looking for and why do you want those things? Um, I think those are the types of things that that you can, if you can pinpoint um, when you're searching for a job, it's going and you're more intentional with your time, hopefully going to find a job that's also as intentional with their employees versus just throwing your resume out there and hoping that you get whatever, wherever it sticks. My first point actually kind of plays right off of that. The best advice I was ever getting when getting into this first job was to write down five things that you want or need in your first job, but you need to pick three of those that are absolutely non-negotiable, whether that be, you know, location, non-negotiable. Say you want to live in a city um, and that's something that's non-negotiable. That means the first three that you pick are non-negotiable and two others that you want could be sacrificed for those first three. Now, those first three could be pay, relationship with your boss, the actual job itself, location. But I know when I was picking out mine, my first three was I didn't want to give up location, didn't want to give up location, didn't want to give up surgery, which is something specific to my job, but that was a non-negotiable for me and didn't want to give up the relationship I had with my doctor. And the other two things, I can't even remember what they were, but they were basically one things that I wanted, but did not need. I like that. And you can even do that in the job that you're in right now to mm-hmm. help you maybe if you're find some direction, like, okay, why am I feeling lost? What do I need? And if you have that ability to communicate that to maybe to a supervisor, that could be the difference between enjoying and hating your job, which leads me into, I wanted people who are in their first job right now to make sure that they are continuously self-reflecting and thinking about, is this job what I signed up for? Is it what I see myself doing three years down the line? If it's not, where do I want to be? And what do I, what steps do I need to take to get to that next chapter? You know, as I kind of shared earlier, the first few months of my job were really 
difficult. And there's a lot of times I wanted to quit. And the best advice I was given at that point was, yeah, sure. You can quit your job, but you can't do it today. And those are the days that I was upset, tired, you know, burnout. And everybody said, yeah, yeah, you can, you can quit if you want, but you can't do it today. You have to have like three good days. And then you can tell me if you still want to quit. And when those days came, I ultimately didn't want to quit. It was just a hard day, but don't feel like that your situation isn't changeable where you currently are either. And that it won't get better, especially if you're just starting. Overall theme you'll see in our, in our podcast and what we call y'all to do is just be intentional, intentional with what you're doing, intentional with how you're doing it. And to just continue to question and ask yourself why. Well, I think we've made a lot of like great points today. And I hope you guys, you know, learn from our experiences and learn from any of the stuff that we were, we were able to give to you today and hope you did at least take away something from it. But to wrap that up, JP, do you want to do our word of the week this week? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't All forget right. it. Don't forget about it. Are you ready? I'm ready. All righty. Your word of the week is slaps. Why do you keep giving me these hard ones? What's fun if they're easy? Slaps. Can you use any sentence, please? <laughs> yeah, the uh, sentence I have for you to me cracked me up because the the sentence that was used in the definition that I found is this new re- recipe from Oprah's plant-based diet slaps. And I thought that it was very fitting for you. Ah, I'm like, dang, I need this book. Okay, so it's a positive thing. Slaps mm-hmm. like, mm, yeah, that's good. You know, like, <laughs> like I snap. Yeah, but slaps because apparently people slap things when they mm. are excited. Huh? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> oh man, this, this meal slaps. Have you used this word before? Yeah. You have? Yeah. We're just, we're basically just qual- qualifying that I'm uh, cooler than you, JP. I think that's what it is. I got a, I got a lot of heat for not knowing receipts. So really? Yeah. Yes. I was so sad on Instagram. People were like, I don't really use that word. I was like, that's BS. That's a solid <laughs> word. That's a solid word. Okay. Well, I hope, I hope I finally get one of these soon. Give me an easy one. I hope you don't. Next week. You want a next? No, I, I, really you, I was going to say, I'll give you one for your birthday, but that's too far away. That's too far away. Here's Fine. Maybe I'll give you a, an easier one in the coming weeks, but it's better when you don't know them. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, that sums up our episode for this week. Stick around. Keep following along. We appreciate everything that you guys have been doing and motivating us through these first few episodes. And as always, plug us into your cars, your iPhones, your Androids. Listen to us carrying Peter, but give us a listen. Tell your friends. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. See you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. Hey, M&Ms. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, don't forget to follow or subscribe. If you are feeling super generous, you can even rate and leave a review. Remember, the more we hear from our listeners, the more we can customize our content to your liking. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, so make sure to check us out. A new episode is released every Monday, so set those reminders and we'll see you next week.